So, hey, what happened with your last podcast? Um, I'd rather not talk about the last podcast. Let's just say it didn't work out. Well, of course, because when we first talked about it, I thought it was a great idea. But I was like, you know what? With all that's going on, I don't think it'd be the perfect time. <laughs> and so when I bailed out, I knew that thing was going to be, that was going to be a plane crash. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I, I agree. That's why we're doing this one. Because I believe it was a good idea. It, it is. It's a fantastic idea. It's just, uh... The logistics can be a little bit much sometimes. I'll go. I'll say that. Okay, so well, let's talk about it. So, what was the whole purpose of this podcast? The purpose of the podcast was really to, you know, just have like a honest and uh, real conversation about like what safety guys go through, what safety is, like what we do, how we do it, theories. There's a lot that goes into uh, safety. I agree, and I think most people just think. That we drive around in trucks or we drive... I mean, I still agree. I still agree with that. I mean, I, that's probably pretty specific to our industry, uh, the truck part, but that would probably that we don't do a lot, right? I mean, that we don't... Our jobs aren't hard or difficult, but there's a lot of uh, aspects to our job, and I think that's what this podcast is going to be good for. Yeah, well, the thing I envisioned this podcast would be was that people would be able to listen and learn things that they don't typically hear. I mean, there's a lot of education there's a lot of different societies there's a lot of different things out there for safety professionals and safety engineers as well and i don't think that there's there's still a huge portion missing and i'm hoping to fill that gap where people can come in listen to the podcast be both entertained and also learn some little tidbits that you don't really get to learn out actually in the field or you don't actually get to hear in classroom settings because most of the time let's be honest Safety, safety people really don't talk to each other all that often. You know, we don't really get to sit down in, in big groups and just kind of just chit chat and throw, throw, you know, theories and bounce ideas off of each other. So I want, I want this podcast to be both first entertaining, but also educational. I want people to be able to come in, listen and, oh, oh, wow, maybe I can incorporate that into, you know, what I'm doing. Yeah, I completely agree. One of the other reasons I really wanted to start the podcast is because one of the... Is it because I'm awesome? One of the safety guys I worked with before... Me, right? No. One of the funnest things I like doing was like hang arguing... Out with, hanging out with me. And debating with him about safety me. stuff. It's me. Because it's cool. No, it's not you, dude. It's not you. It's me. You. It, it's going to be you on this show, but it wasn't you to start. Well, I think I think you... And then it was you. And then it was me. I think I think you make a perfect point is we, we hardly ever get to really disagree with other professionals and, and have honest conversation. You know, when we have, you know, safety meetings or, you know, safety stand downs, stands up, stand ups, whatever you want to call them. It's always the same thing. Let's just talk about safety and it's boring, but it's not real safety. It's not the stuff that you actually, the meat and potatoes that you get to actually see. Yeah. Right. It's, it's the, the combination of both of our experiences Plus both of our, you know, education and our our ability to kind of, you know, like you said, argue with each other and have cool little conversations that we don't really get to have, honestly, very often. I know, like I said, before I met you, most people wouldn't really argue. They're like, OK, I'll just take at your word, you know, the whole I don't think for myself kind of deal. But that's what I like about you is, you know, you get to argue and that's the best part of that thing to best part of this podcast is our, our arguing and everybody getting to learn both of our personalities and get to learn all the cool things that we talk about, all the cool little, you know, scientific and on-trend data. I don't want to be like some of the other podcasts where we're just sitting here talking about stupid data and boring, you know... Let's talk about fall protection, fall protection for one hour. Hold on. Let me just tell you every... like If I wanted to read boring stuff, I'd go just and take a class. It. I mean, exactly. for the most part, I I already know those things. I don't need to learn it. 
if I'm learning from a podcast, I want to learn some things that I'm not going to learn typically out in the field. So, yeah, I think I think this podcast is going to do a great job. So, uh, let's introduce ourselves. So, who are me? My who name is are me. Who are me? I was going to say you, but you're not that important. So, we'll we'll talk about the most important person first, which is me. We'll do uh, age before beauty. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you want, go ahead. <laughs> Just go, dude. So, uh, a little bit about myself. My name is Joe. You call me Crazy Joe, and I've worked in so many different industries. I've worked in ag. I've worked in geothermal power plants. Gas power plants, offshore. I've worked at solar plants and uh, solar to steam plants, uh, uh, cheese factories. Oh god, those things stink. I don't. I don't even remember how many different places I've worked in municipalities. So I've worked at like water treatment facilities mm-hmm. and streets. I've worked in construction. I've worked in general industry, manufacturing. Pretty much almost any industry that you can probably name, I've probably done some type of safety consulting in one facet or another there. Um, I'm going to be graduating with my, uh, master's here in a couple of weeks and I actually just recently got my ASP. So I'm pretty happy about that. So yeah. What about you? So my name is Matt. I don't have a cool name like crazy Matt. I'm just Matt. Boring Matt. Boring Matt. You can call me, uh, similar to you. I have very minor experience in a lot of different industries, but majority of my experience has been in oil and gas, Mm -hmm. uh, different facets of oil and gas though, construction, Maintenance activities, tanks, piping, pipeline, whatever, all types of all types oh, yeah, of things good in old that pipelines. industry. Um, and then, uh, unlike you, I have no master's degree coming in on four weeks or whatever you just said. No ASP. But you're going to school, aren't you? But I am going to school for an engineering degree uh, outside of a safety degree. I have been doing safety for a while now. Um, <clears throat> I'm not by any means an expert, and I don't claim to be. But I feel like sometimes I feel like I could at least use my experience on here to hopefully shed some knowledge for somebody. I Your mean, knowledge and experience make you good at what you do. I mean, are, can any of us really call ourselves an expert? I figured you would. Uh, I mean, I'm really good, but I mean, even really even good? at the point, you know, eventually I'm thinking right now of going to get my MBA because there's still a lot that I don't know. I mean, I know a lot about safety. I really do. I guess I've worked in so many different places and and stuff like that. But there's still there's still challenges. I think we have as safety safety individuals in different industries, and one of the biggest ones is money. You know, a lot of places either don't pay us well, or you know, you have this great idea. Oh man, this is gonna this is gonna just you know take my my safety management system or my safety culture to the next level. But then you're like, okay, but your manager manager or your your decision maker is like okay how much is going to cost and you're like mm, i i don't know <laughs> you know i mean i could tell you what the upfront cost is or you know all this other stuff but what i'm what i'm trying to learn eventually and then hopefully in the next couple months as going for my masters in business administration is to be able to great put these great ideas together and then tell the the decision maker well this is going to save you you know x amount of dollars down the road so, so that's, i that's mean the goal. How did you how did you get into safety? Like how was your I mean, I know a lot of people a lot of people get into safety in different reasons, but I mean, how did you get into safety? You didn't you didn't get hurt, did you? Because I know that's the ter- <laughs> that's the stereotypical oh, how'd you get in? Well, I fell off a ladder, so now I'm a safety guy. I'm like, wow, that's the only industry that I know that you could get hurt and all of a sudden you're like you're quali- you're not qualified. You like oh so much. They had an injury and they sat in the office and then they just started doing safety stuff. Safety classes little here and there. Yeah, mine's well, actually not too far from that. 
Um, what happened was I was a normal employee, right? Just working in the field. And a part of our responsibilities in the field were to do safety related tasks like pre-job plans or JSAs or whatever you want to call them. Okay. And then, uh, I got put onto the confined space rescue team. Confined space uh, rescue. Yeah. So I started doing that as part of my job task as well. And I think my safety guy, he just kind of noticed that like I was pretty good at doing that stuff yeah you knew you figured out what he wanted to hear and he's like i it's, like it. it it wasn't it wasn't really hard you know what i mean like no, it's, it's not, not hard it's not rocket science uh when you're in the field um but anyways he then he offered me a position he said hey do you want to be a part of the safety team he brought me in he started me as a bbs guy and then i started i started taking classes i got my emt i went and became an emt i, I did a few things on my own uh to bring my value up as a as a, an employee and as a safety professional that's good. And I just um, started growing from there, you know, moving from job to job and uh, increasing my knowledge and my experience. And here we are today. Oh, that's good. Mine's mine's slightly different. I originally wanted to be a firefighter. I went through a fire academy. Um, this is uh, 2007. I graduated. Then I actually, uh, because I was underage, I was under 21. A lot of places on, on an ambulance wouldn't hire me. So I had my EMT as well, just like you, nationally registered. And then um, I actually got a break in 2010. I became an EMT on the ambulance. I worked in Delano. And it was fun. Did a lot of fun stuff out there. Learned a lot. Got to see a lot of crazy things and do a lot of crazy things. And then um, I ended up, you know, moving over to, uh, it's kind of like what you said, a confined space rescue. Because a lot of the techniques that we have in rescue um, for fire department translate directly into confined space rescue. It's actually you know, rope rescue skills are, are highly valued in that, in that world. So I had already been studying for, you know, rescue and all this stuff for many years already. So I was already naturally good at it. After a while, I talked to my boss and I said, Hey, you know, I'm really bored. Like this whole rescue stuff is cool, but I want something more, more, something more challenging. And he goes, well, have you heard about safety? And I remember my, my, my fire Academy classes, there was a bunch of like things that, or I was a safety officer. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And he goes, no, there's this whole world of safety and we protect people from getting hurt. And which kind of made sense to me because working on the ambulance, I ran a lot of people getting hurt at work, right? So naturally, I he just gave me a couple of books. He said, hey, take these online courses. You know, it's like 300 hours worth of, of training. It was through this uh, company called OSHA, uh, OSHA Academy. Really good, mm -hmm. really good program, a really good foundation for people trying to get in. And then he gave me the CHST book. Um Eventually, I kind of started doing that. Got my first little safety gig working offshore, and after a while, just did a lot of consulting. That's where the the bulk of my 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 foundation was going everywhere. Like I said, oil and gas, ag, um, electrical facilities, whatever you name it. I they just sent me out there, and I was probably gone for like two, three weeks at a time, a month at a time, and it sucked. And after about a year, year and a half, I had some experience. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm sorry. I'm applying for jobs. Applying for jobs, applying for jobs. Never got anything. And I started talking to some other guys. Hey, how do I get on full time as an actual safety person? And, you know, like, what about the degree? And I was like, man, you know, I'm like, I've been thinking about it. I, I, I Initially, I when I first got into safety, I had applied to go to, to college, but for some reason, if it just fell through, I just didn't decide, you know, but maybe it's not for me right now. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, yeah, I just, you know, I hit that wall, I hit that barrier. I want to get full time. I want to get full time. I'm tired of this consulting, living out of hotels, you know, never seeing, you know, the wife and the kid. It's terrible. 
it sucks, but I mean, I think it's part of the process. You have to, you know, pay your dues. And then, so yeah, I just started, you know, I started going through school, Columbia Southern University. Um, and then I graduated in 2017 um, with my bachelor's, uh, with honors, of course, because I'm, I'm, I'm that good. Anyway, um, I got my CHST like maybe like a month before. And then, yeah, that's when I nailed my first full-time safety position where, you know, I was literally in charge of a whole division like the whole like 150 to up to 300 people at one time uh that's when i became like i would say the big time and then i had a friend who works for another company he goes hey yeah you're getting your bachelor's this is right before i graduate because yeah you're getting your bachelor's maybe you should maybe you should get your master's because you know unfortunately in our society now the bachelor's Wait, is that? um his name is uh i can't say but he was actually a really good guy. Could have sworn I told you that. No, his name was Javier. Is <laughs> actually his name. But oh, I know you're talking about. Yeah, he's a really great guy, and he was the one. He was going through it too at the time, so I'm sure he's graduated some some years back now. But he was like, "Yeah, Joe, the masters is the new bachelors. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to stand out above everybody, get your masters." So the bachelors is the new GED. Bachelors is almost <laughs> like the new GED. Well, and not in our world because very no, few very few people in the safety actually have it, but. Uh, yeah, so um, like I said, in a couple of weeks, I'll be graduating here uh, in November. I'll be graduating with my master's, which um, I'm really happy about. And I just got my ASP a couple of weeks ago, which I'm super That's happy awesome, about. Dude. So I'm going to start studying for my CSP. And hopefully, um, coming up this new year, I'll be starting my master's in business administration so I can learn. I've learned the environmental side a little bit. You know, that's a big that's a big topic with safety individuals now. I've learned the safety side for sure. I just need to learn how to be able to tell, you know, the boss or the CEO, hey, this is how you save money over time. Make Making safety more valuable to the company because for the most part, let's be honest, most CEOs don't really look at safety. They're like, oh, I need it because there are lawsuits. But, you know, for most safety professionals, when we talk to each other, we see the value in it. We just need to learn how to equate that value to money. So, yeah, that that's my that's my uh, how I got into safety. Um, one thing we should probably talk about too. So I've always liked this this little topic is, what is your craziest call? What is your craziest incident that you had to, I guess, manage or or respond to as a safety professional? So I, I think we talked a little bit about this beforehand, right? And uh, of course, I I had a, a little bit of a block. I couldn't think of anything, um, but I did come up with one one thing that it wasn't. Um, it was. I would say it was one of the defining moments uh, in my safety career where I realized like, okay, maybe some things that I'm doing here can actually like save somebody or help somebody. And uh, what happened was... I think that's called an epiphany. Maybe a little bit of an epiphany. (laughs) It was when I was newer into my safety career, right? I was, uh, I think I was maybe like six months in. I had just came out of the field. Okay. So I was still dealing with like the guys that I had just worked with. (laughs) That's always tough. And now (laughs) the guys you were just leading and now they're like, oh, you're the safety guy. Now now you're the enemy. So, you know, it's like, it's a tough, it's a tough sell, you know? It's a tough transition. Yeah. That transition. But anyways, uh, what we were doing was um, I knew this crew was going to be working inside of a pretty large tank facility with these. Uh, really big tanks. I don't know the size of the tanks. I can't remember the amount of barrels, but there was about sixteen of them in lines of four. Is it the uh, ones that are like forty feet tall? Yeah, they're they're yeah, okay. About 40 yeah, feet tall, probably a couple I, hundred feet in uh, diameter. <laughs> I know exactly which ones you're talking they're, about. They're pretty uh, pretty big tr- uh, tanks. And what happened was um, coming off of one of the trains of tanks underground, there was a leak in a pretty big pipe. It was like a sixteen inch pipe. Okay. And uh, these tanks all feed into that piping. 
And what we had to do, what my crew had to do was go in there, cut out a piece of the pipe and replace it with a new one. It was a part of a riser. So it was going a vertical piece of pipe. Oh, okay. And um, what happened was I showed up there later on because I wanted to make sure the crew was good. You know, part of right. my... I didn't really know what to do as a safety guy, right? <laughs> hey, trust me. My mentor, Bro, we were on the same boat at the same the time. What I, what I was told in the beginning to do was like, hey, you know what? Just go out there and make sure like their lockout tagouts are good. Like review the lockout tagout. Make sure they didn't miss anything. And then just kind of, that's it. Like just kind of check yeah. the JSA. That was like, that was my responsibilities when I first started. And uh, so I went out there. And I mean, lockout tagout, of course, is extremely important. It is. So, I, I that's my when we get to my story, I'll talk about that quite a bit myself. Oh yeah. So then uh, that's what I was looking at, and they already had cold cut the pipe, and like I said, it was a vertical piece, and there was some fluid in there. Uh huh. And I was standing above. It was in a little bit of a ditch, probably like three feet deep. Okay. And uh, they're in there, and I can see actually down into the pipe because I'm up on top of the, on top of the level, right, right, regular right. ground level, and I could see like bubbles. Coming up in the liquid. Oh, that's not like good. Up, <laughs> that's right? not like, good. And the and the the fluid level just moving a little bit. And so I asked the welder. I was like, "What? Why is it bubbling? Like, what? What's what's going on here? Like, it's I wasn't sure action. why I was doing that." And it's like, champagne? "Oh, I don't know. I think it's just." He's like, "I don't know. I think it's normal." And I was like, "Well, did you guys like lock it out?" He's like, "Yeah, the operator told us he locked everything out and that we were good to go." And so, uh, so we 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 they already had cold cut and everything. Right. You're already done. We're like, this job is ready to go. And so I told him, I was like. Well, hold on a second. Like, let me just make sure. Because I was like, it shouldn't be bubbling. It like, shouldn't luckily, be bubbling, no. It's one of the positives, you know, about coming from that same job. Is I already had learned that, like, if that's happening, there's probably <laughs> a valve probably really, by, or it's probably a bad, really bad. There's a bad valve or something. It right. could be anything. So I, 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 uh, I told him, let me just walk this real quick and, and check and make sure that the lockout tagout's good. So, no joke. Like... 150 feet away from where we were standing it didn't take it took me maybe a minute i walked where the pipeline came out of the ground because i knew this facility pretty well and then guess what boom the dude forgot to lock to shut out uh, a valve to one of the tanking systems and i so i ran back over and i was like hold on hold on don't weld because uh not only was this tied into the tanks it was also tied into the vru system on top of the tank oh wow which means that the gases off the top of the tank were actually also being fed into the line right and those gases are probably usually a little bit more flammable than uh, i'm other pretty things. sure they're nothing but flammable and so uh i had to stop them right and we had to get the operator over there and we had to relock it out but just after that moment i just i thought like man what would have happened if i wouldn't have showed up right there like could they and, have blown up the entire facility? Could and, they have blown up themselves? Like, who knows? What those are the moments where, I mean, truthfully, I think that's when people really realize that, yeah, 90% of the time you may not do something. I mean, that's something important. But those times where you do walk in in these situations, that's when you need somebody who knows what's going on. You need another pair of eyes. I remember a couple of years back when I first started with one, uh, my full-time safety position, um, we they had had an incident such like that where it was an oil tank and it was a vertical tank where oil was stored and they were doing hot work on it so as they were as they were welding on it it actually uh the vapors caught caught fire and blew through the tank and blew the tank off and obviously that'd be a big one, right? They didn't do lockout tag out. They didn't have a hot work plan. They didn't do all the things that they're supposed to. And I go into this, this, you know, drilling meeting and this 
quote unquote safety professional comes in and he's like, Oh yeah, you know, they use those those soft skills. Hey, oh yeah, we uh we took that tank out of service, right? I'm like, no, you blew the the top of it off. That's what you did. And he's sitting here bragging, oh yeah, we talked to everybody and we fired every single person on that crew and blah blah blah. And he was he was really he, honestly he was proud of what he had done of you know terminating these poor people. And you know while he's talking, I he's like, anybody have questions? And I I kind of just threw this little curveball. I was like, did you guys check the the previous hot works? And he goes, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I'll give you a thousand dollars. If you can go back and find more than one. And he goes, what do you mean? I'm all typically people that do hot work. If they're not doing the hot work permit, they're not doing it all the time. They're never doing it because typically people hardly ever check these things. And so they probably felt like, oh, nobody's checking it. Why the hell am I going to do it? And so eventually it caught up to them. And so a failure on your job to ensure that they're doing, you know, the hot work permits ended up. I mean, I guess costing them jo their jobs, which is good because it's better than costing their lives. And he was standing there and he's like, uh, um, I'm like, yeah, I've worked on drilling before. I know how all the permits get filled out. I've been there plenty of times. If you're not following up on their, on their permits and making sure they're fully filled out and they're actually doing them, they're not going to do them. They're going to see them as a waste of time and they're not going to do them. And then you're gonna blow off tanks of off your roof. And I remember the customer was like, how do you know this? I'm like, I've worked on drilling rigs. I know how these people think. They're they think if you're not checking it, they're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of transitioned into how my, my one of my craziest scenarios was um, we had an incident where we went out to a drilling rig, and essentially what was going on was these gentlemen were going inside of a mud pit. And what a mud pit is, it's just a like a giant tank for the oil rig, and what they do is they pump mud into it and the mud is used for i mean many things it's used for cooling the bit lubricating the the drill bit um it's used to hold gases the, the you know when you're drilling down you have mm -hmm. pockets of gas it's designed to hold those down and probably like another half a dozen things that you can use mud for well what they do is they add chemical the mud pit is open at the top and they add chemical to it Right, so sand or dirt or other different types of chemicals to make it heavier or lighter or, or more viscous or less viscous, whatever whatever they need it to be, you know they have a whole mud person to to run those. Well, eventually the gaskets in the in the material wear down um, some of the lining, so they have to go back and they have to return or replace the gaskets in there. So these gentlemen were were tasked with putting the gaskets in. We were called. This was two days before Christmas. And essentially what ended up happening was he went into the first one. We had everything rigged up. He, They were moving from one location to another. So we talked to the operator and he goes, hey, do we need a lockout tag? He goes, no, nothing's plugged in. Like we're, we're moving from one spot to another. Nothing's plugged in. We're still rigging up. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah, we're good. So, so kind of like the similar to my so, so similar to yours like we should have done lockout tag out even even though it wasn't un even though the the device was unplugged like we should have at least had some kind of lock somewhere on something so he goes into the first one he's got a you know a tripod up, up top and it's tied to a SRL you know self-retracting lifeline and he's wearing a harness and it's tied to his back he goes in there, maybe like five, ten minutes, replaces them pretty quickly. And I was like, all right, cool. 
we get up, we move to the second half of the, I should say the middle portion of the mud, uh, mud pit. And right before he goes down, I said, Hey man, man, if I were you, I would not, I would take that, you know, harness or leave the harness on, take the, the SRL off, you know, take your lifeline off. He goes, why? I'm like, bro, honestly, if this thing turns on and you're wearing that, you're going to have a bad time. It's going to get sucked into that, you know, the propeller that mixes all the mud. Ah, bro, it's fine. He said, guess what happened? He was down there two minutes and all we hear is the sound of equipment powering up. And then shortly followed was him screaming his head off. Help me, help me. Oh my God, I'm going to die. Help me, help me. I'm like, oh crap. All the machines that were, were, um, all the mud pit, all the agitators all turned on at the same time. While we were swapping from one one um, section of the mud pit to the next, someone went and plugged it in, and they turned the power on to everything that was connected to the power plant. So everything turned on. The, the rig turned on. The uh, mud pit turned on. The tower turned on. Like, everything turned on all at once. And all this guy is seeing is this blade spinning around, and his lifeline get caught caught in the middle of it and he screamed bloody murder and luckily for me we got we got the power shut off and um he didn't didn't suffer any actual injuries he was i mean he got a little bit beat up but not too bad i mean especially if you considered like we had shut it off right as he got you know he contacted the the blade uh well technically it wasn't a blade there was actually yeah. a shield around the blade that's what protected mm-hmm. him he saved his life so that was that was my big thing, and it was with Chevron, and we man, we were just, we were in so many meetings, like we were in meetings every week, at least twice or three times a week, and we're talking with like the biggest people, the CEO of the mid and west coast, uh, talking with continental, you know, Asia, Middle East, Africa, South America. This is like the biggest incident of like 2014. And I was, you know, it was like, they were asking me, so what happened? What happened? I'm like, we didn't do lockout tag out. And they're like, why? Because, you know, we didn't think we needed to. We didn't have it plugged in. You know, we talked with the, 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 you know, Joe site manager and come to find out that there was just a bunch of little Swiss cheese model where this guy was still a trainee. He didn't understand. And we were supposed to do this. We were supposed to do that. We didn't follow any of the rules. And, you know, it made a huge impact. That was, that was probably like one of the scariest situations that i probably even as an emt dealing with people getting shot and stuff it wasn't as as crazy as this just because like i said right before he went in i told him last you know last famous words i wouldn't wear that if you if i were you i wouldn't wear that if i was going in there why in case that thing turns on if if you're not wearing a lifeline all you gotta do is back against the wall and we can get it turned off but if that thing turns on and you're wearing that you're not gonna get that that little clip off your back quick enough and sure enough yeah but I guess it was good that I was there because um, I went in there, rescued him, pulled him out, cut him out of his harness, and, you know, got him to safety. As an EMT, I checked him and made sure everything was fine. And then the fire department shows up, and they're like, so what happened? I, I give him the scenario, and they're like, well, thank God you're here. We didn't know. There's no way we would have figured out how to get get him out of there. And I'm like, you guys are the fire department. What do you mean? <laughs> and the guy, you know, he unfortunately, he lost his job, but... You know, he looks up, he goes, what do you mean? Like, if these guys weren't here, I'd probably be, be dead. He goes, yeah, you probably would be dead. And I'm like, oh. So that was like my, like, coming to Jesus moment, if you will, is that, you know, safety, even even if it's the most smallest, minute thing, can get out of hand a plug, dude. super quick. Sounds like a plug is what 
was the difference between that incident happening it, and, it, happening. and it, honestly the funny thing was is everybody knew everybody on the whole crew knew it was because there was one new guy he was a new hand he'd only been there like three weeks and that's all he knew he knew that his job was to go and plug everything in everybody else knew leave the mud pit alone because they're working on the mud pit but he didn't have that knowledge yeah. so he was just told he that was his job i go in as soon as we do a rig up I go and I plug everything in. But because of that, that's the reason why the plug came on and all the you know electricity came and um, nearly killed them. So that's not the end of the story, though. So like I said, after after all the fun meetings and we're sitting here talking with everybody, and like I said, it was, it was the biggest you know incident of 2014, one of the biggest ones probably across the whole globe, which is you know kind of kind of humbling. You're like, wow, I'm talking with some of the biggest names in all of Shadow. Names I, I I couldn't repeat to you even if I remembered, but you would think with all these people meeting, I, I probably was in meetings for like I said two or three times a week for at least two months, at least two months, probably I would say almost three. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, well at least it was good, right? We saved a life, we got lucky. It was a free lesson, as we say in safety, you know. Everything went to everything went to hell in a handbasket, but the guy lived and it was good. We all learned our lesson. Cool. So from what I understand, the whole incident went to everybody across all shows, and they talked about this incident everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, dude. I everywhere. About it at and they're still, from my understanding, they're still talking about it. You know, I actually ran into a meeting. And actually, a couple of weeks ago, and they were still talking about it. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because they're like, "Oh yeah, this was going on." I'm like, eh, uh, "That's actually not right." And they're like, "How would you know?" I'm like, "Those are my pictures. I was there. Like, you were there." I'm like, "Yeah." And so I tell them the whole story. But yeah, I was the one that didn't do lockout tag. Yeah, that, that was me. That was my. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Whoops, uh, sorry about that. You know, I, you know, we'll talk about this later. But I was under this whole thing where I was overconfident, and it's called the Dunning Kruger effect. Blah blah blah. But. um the idea was that, you know, they learned. We learned that lesson. This is what's wrong. This is how we this is how we solve it. About six or seven months later, we found out that the same incident, same exact thing happened in Texas and somebody died. So you would think that with all the people and all the money and all the time that went into learning this whole scenario, that some they would they would never have a problem. But yeah, they they informed to us that that I think it was in Texas somewhere that somebody went into a mud pit, the power was turned on, but this one didn't have like a guard around the blade and the guy ended up getting killed. So yeah, I mean, that's, that was a big, I mean, still to me, it's a big, it's a big deal just because, you know, for me, it was like a cop out, like, man, you guys spent all the money. You guys had all the, we're talking about, you know, people, you know, that have the doctorates and like, I don't know how to, how you become a CEO of you know west coast i don't know how you become the ceo of any of these you know all of the united states all of asia but to spend all that time and still not learn your lesson it's just like kind of like a slap in the face like man what was the point of all those meetings what was the point of me having to relive all that trauma and going through like ptsd for you guys and you guys still didn't learn you still didn't save a life so yeah i mean i guess that's a, a really good like you know story of how the reason why it's important for us to learn our lessons as, as safety professionals. I, I would think just on that last note, like I bet Chevron, I, I mean, I'm, I don't really like saying their name so much, but I bet that they did learn, you know, 
But it has to be able to trickle down to the safety department for whoever that company was that that next incident happened. And if they didn't do their job or that management didn't do their job there and that culture wasn't strong there, like we're going to talk about in some future episodes. Right. Then that's that's where a lot of bad things can happen. And I guarantee you, I bet that the guy that died probably had your incident reviewed to him at some point or at least that company had it. Because that thing went everywhere. That it was, went everywhere. That incident went everywhere. And if they were working for the same producer... I guarantee you that they had that information at some point. Well, that's that's the thing that kind of like struck me. As I think, you know, eventually somebody saw it and goes, oh, that's not going to happen to me. And in reality, yeah, it could happen to anybody. And, you know, that's that's the one thing that I, I always tell, you know, my employees that, you know, lockout, tagout, I have no, no qualms with shutting down a job over lockout, tagout. You can, I mean, I'm very forgiving in, in most aspects, but lockout, tagout is like one of those like, uh-uh. Mm-mm. If you do lockout tag out wrong or don't or forget that it, yeah, it's in a lot of instances it can be life or death. If yeah. you don't do it right, you could probably die. I mean, and the in the the current part of the industry that I work in right now, if you don't do lockout tag out right, you do die. You're done. Yeah, There's, there you're not gonna win against that machinery when it turns on. Mm-mm. No and, sir. And so it's extremely important. I mean, I don't want to harp on lockout tag out too much, like those boring podcasts, but. Wait, it's so let's no important. wait, let's do that. Let's talk about how how the super intricacies of of lockout tag out. So on the tag, you want to have <laughs> So this. you want to put your so name. So L O T O. It stands for <laughs> But you, what we're forgetting to talk about is the tryout portion. And like I said, I don't want that I don't want that to be our podcast. I don't want it to be like, "Oh god, this is so boring." And I know for the first episode we really haven't talked too much and given them too much information, but I hope at least they'll at least a little bit more of an idea of who we are and and how this is working out. So, um, I guess maybe we'll talk about um next week's episode. So, next week's episode I think will be really fun. It's it's one of the biggest debates that you and I have is the whole <laughs> yeah, education versus experience and I mean, honestly, I, I'm sure we could talk about this for like six episodes, but it'll be, I think it'll be really interesting, you know, next week when we talk about education versus experience, because that's something that I think everybody deals with. Which is more important for a safety person? Which, which one is more important for, you know, safety people? Is education more important or is experience more safety important? Um, but I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's, I would say both, you know, we'll talk about oh, this yeah. next week, but um for sure it's both but we're that's not the point of next week's episode we're gonna say like hey if you're gonna choose one to start out with that's that's how i'm gonna look at it which right. is more important well for me it's the one of the biggest things i guess maybe we can talk about this right now is the whole this whole switch that we had this year the whole assp versus this whole asse you know american safety's uh american society for safety professionals versus you know engineers and and for me, it was one of the biggest kind of letdowns of the year was, oh, we're going to change it from engineers to professionals because there's not enough people that are engineers. But I guess in my experience, I've changed my my perspective. I don't want to be a safety professional. A safety professional is somebody that comes in and, yeah, they kind of do the job. But They get paid to do it. Well, I mean, essentially, yeah, that's what, that's, that's what a professional is, is, is somebody that gets paid versus, you know, an amateur who doesn't. But for me, somebody who's an an engineer designs the workplace, right? And this goes along with this, you know, prevention through design. But I think we should be calling ourselves engineers. We should think of ourselves engineers. But at the point, I also think that the professionals does fit. I think at some point, most people are a professional. 
and they come in and they have the the, the ideas and the knowledge and they're like, oh, well, I'm a safety professional. This is what I want to do, right? But at the same time is that we want to strive to be we want to strive to be an engineer, right? I want to go into a job site, look what's going on and engineer out the hazards. I want to change the workplace to make it safer. Like I completely disagree with you, but I kind of see where you're coming from. I like the way you're thinking that as a safety professional, we want to have that engineering mindset that we want to think about things before they're designed or before they're built or and like you're saying, prevention through design is important and to have that mindset is important However, I completely disagree that we should consider ourselves any type of engineer unless you're doing what I'm doing, which is getting an engineering degree because there's an engineer and there's a safety professional. And in most cases, they're not the same person. Well, you're right. I, I completely agree, but... Unless they're me in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned to uh, 2045 when he graduates with his associates in engineering. <laughs> Congratulations. Anyway. What a jerk. I think that, yes... That the professional is kind of like your, I mean, from like your safety tech, when you get like a CHST, maybe, you know, STS, you're, you're a professional. I'm being paid to be a safety person. Okay, cool. Once you get to the ASP, CSP level, you do have to know quite a bit of engineering. I mean, you got to know about force of friction, friction, um, you know, all these different types of, you know, physics and, and trigonometry and all this other stuff. It has a lot of engineering in it. Am I, you know, designing a building? No. Mm-hmm. But I am designing. I think that's what engineers do, right? They design workplaces. You're either designing a pipeline or you're designing a building. I mean, I mean, the only difference between an architect and a, you know, safety engineer is just the, the you know, aspect of it being beautiful, I guess. The art, mm. if you will. But yeah, yes. I think I think we should be calling ourselves the ASSE just because I think we should be designing the workplace. It shouldn't be just, well, I'm showing up and I'm throwing, you know, the ANSI Z10 at it and, you know, we're doing this, this and this. No, I think we should be looking at what our culture is, what how our employees are and look at the effectiveness of the programs we're putting into place so that I can change the work. I mean, I think maybe we'll talk about that later on, like the hierarchy controls. I had an incident, you know, a couple of weeks back where I actually ended up changing the workplace. I changed how the work was done and made it more, more safe rather than going, okay, well, I'm just going to throw this at it. I changed, I engineered the way that the work was done and I made the workplace, the, the safe, the workplace more safe. All right. Well, we can agree to disagree on this one, at least for now. Okay. So, well, I'm going to say that I'm right. Um, I think I'm, we're going to find again next week when we talk about education versus experience that I'm right again. I'm usually pretty right, but it's not because I'm arrogant. It's because I do quite a bit of research. Mm, all back right. my position. Well, two things. One, uh, if, if any of you guys have feedback, you can. Uh, I would like to hear it because if you guys agree with me, definitely send us something so that yeah, I know don't that. you if know? If you agree with Joe, just don't worry about it. If you agree <laughs> with Matt, take a take your agreement and just you know throw it in the trash. Actually, you know, don't throw it in the trash. Recycle it. That's probably the best solution. Here's, hold on. Here's my second disagreement. <laughs> if you do want to respond to us and and tell us what you think, 
Respond to our mailbox, not our mailbag, which is what which is what Joe likes to call it. I like to call it mailbag. I don't know why. Leave me alone. It's a mailbox. It's a mailbox. And our mailbox is thecultureofsafety at gmail.com. Let us know what you guys think. And as, as the seasons progress, let us know what you guys think, what you agree, what you don't agree with. We'll read you guys um, out loud in our in our podcast, and we'll give you guys a shout out. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. So we'll meet again next week. Yeah, next week. Uh, education versus experience. Cool. Sounds See you good. Guys later. See you guys next week.